Hi, welcome to Paperback Readers. I'm Joe, and this is Julie, and it must be holiday time because our closet studio is overtaken by Christmas presents, so we're kind of standing jammed into a corner to talk to you about books. Welcome, welcome to our process. (laughs) Today's episode is going to be a little bit different because it is the end of the year. Joe and I are thinking about the reading goals that we had or didn't have for this year, and instead of talking about what we're reading now, we're going to talk about the books that we have loved the most this year. And we had a few uh, spillovers, so that's probably a good sign. Yeah, first let's talk just a little bit about our reading goals. Joe, you are you're big on making some reading goals. You set them every year. <laughs> well, I blame Goodreads because it did give me the the need of like putting a number on it. Uh, my goal was a hundred books this year. I'm not quite there. It's literally going to go down to the end. I mean, I'm I'm. I think I've finished 94. I'm working on three right now, of which two of them are nearly finished. So, I mean, it's it's really going to be down to the wire. I'll get the 100 or I'll come up just short. But you're going to, yeah, you're going to, I think you're really going to make it this time. I think so. I, I did it last year, so I know it's doable, but... Uh... You, on the other hand, you, you long ago surpassed that. But I don't make reading goals like it, It's you not do. a competition. You always remind <laughs> me, as I point out, that if it were a competition, you would win it every year anyway. So, no, it's not a competition. Yeah, I'm right up to about, I think I'm going to get 130 anyway by the end of the year. I think your mom might be the only person I know who, who defeats you. And she Jeez. always Ooh. says that she reads little short, quick books. But that's but an apology, I think. Here's the deal. I don't want to set a number goal for my reading. Always every year, I'd like to maybe do a little bit better than I did the year before. But I read for fun. When you put a number on it, then it becomes a chore. Sure, sure. And Nick Saban and Alabama only (laughs) score points for fun. They're not trying to win the national championship. It just happens when they have a lot of fun and score a lot of touchdowns, they win the national championship. There are people who who read a lot more than I do. Oh, sure, sure. All right. Well, let's talk about these books. Some of them you will have already heard about um, from this podcast, um, but others, maybe they'll be new to you. And maybe if you are looking out, looking to finish out your year with something really fun, you'll get some good ideas from this list. You go first, Joe. Yeah, I don't know how fun my list is. I mean, no, these, these are is not fun. <laughs> these are good books, but but fun might be squeezing it a little bit. But you know, anyway. Wait, um, and also these are not in order of how much we loved them. No, not at all. Like for me, mine are, mine are in the order of when I read them. I think mine were close to that. I started out on Goodreads trying to remember what all I had gone through. And I do want to emphasize this is not some sort of subjective, these are the no. uh, greatest books of, of the... No, the, these were just books that resonated with us. They brought us pleasure. They made us think. In a year that has... Um, that many of the things that we have loved have just disappeared for the yeah. moment. I, we all hope they're coming back. These are the books that have just made us happiest. Whether and that you may start to judge us for our happiness when you yeah, hear about some of these books. Sometimes but, I, I don't know that happy applies, but anyway. But they've, they've made us feel more alive. Let's put it that yeah, way. I'll, I'll go with that. 
Okay, book one, and you talk about just stumbling into the year, and I think this was on your list too. It is. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. The subtitle is How to Stay Emotionally Healthy and Spiritually Alive in the Chaos of the Modern World. Well, thanks, John Mark, because, <laughs> you know, gee, this this 2020 well, year, you know, funny enough, honestly. We read this in January or February, and this was yeah. one of my top books of the year too, and it, if we had been doing this podcast, then we would have definitely talked about this then because mm-hmm. it made such an impression on both of us. Everybody always says you've got to slow down. Um, you live your best life by not rushing through it. But I'd always heard those things and kind of thought, OK, nice talk. John Mark Comer gives you solid practical advice for how that can happen and how your life can look more like the life of Jesus in a crazy world. Well, and one of the things that I remember about this, and frankly, I've got to buy the book because I want to sit down and read it again. Yeah, we just got it from the library. Yeah, so and, and it's been nearly a year now. But uh, mm-hmm. I loved at the end, he had a list. And he's like, these are some things that might work for you in slowing down, in eliminating hurry. These are suggestions. These are not commands. There's not, oh, you must do half of these things. These are just my ideas. Add your ideas. And then, you know, I mean, some of them were pretty simple and common sense. Drive the speed limit. You know, I mean, that, that, that's really not a deep philosophical thing. But, but yeah, combined with his touch, which was neither preachy nor pie in the sky, just a really interesting, useful book and one that, yeah, I look forward to revisiting. One thing that I can think of that I took out of it that I feel like has really stuck with us all year, pandemic and whatnot, he's really big on the Sabbath which doesn't have to be Sunday, but it just has to be a day that you take rest and turn off some of the things that you would typically do. And I think that we have done that a lot this year. Some of it not by choice, but... It's been easier, let's be honest. Right, but still even... We have we have made some conscious efforts to say, okay, all these other things we're worried about, let's let's just do something else for right now. And that's been that's been a good thing. Okay. Okay. Um, the first book on my list was called Happiness for Beginners by Catherine Center. Um, I've actually read a lot of her books this year. I think that you gave me this one for Christmas last year, maybe. And I finished it up at the start of January. I really like Catherine Center because her books are, um, they're, the characters are very real. Um, but it always it's always just full of such hope. Happiness for Beginners was about a girl who went on um, one of those wilderness trails to find yourself, very much like wild, and actually really did find herself. But the book did not feel like a cliche in any way. It was a gorgeous book. And I've since then picked up a lot of her other books, um, and they've all been wonderful. They're not heavy. Um, they're just hopeful, and they're really inspiring. Also fits uh, with what would come in 2020. Yeah. Uh, And the same for my second book. This is the one reread on my list. Uh, this book has been kind of a perennial for me. It's it's a book that I love dearly. It would be a Desert Island book for me. I read it again, maybe the third or the fourth time in 2020, uh, and, and I love it every time. The Soul of Baseball, A Road Trip Through Buck O'Neill's America by Joe Posnanski. Um, that is such a good book. It <laughs> is. It's just such a beautiful book about a man who was good enough to fulfill every dream he had and was kept from those dreams by the color of his skin. My beautiful tan, as he calls it in the book. And the way that rather than using that as an excuse to be bitter 
or to denigrate others. He used it as a way to reach out and he used it as a way to find something in common with everybody he met. Buck O'Neill was such a beautiful person in Joe Posnanski's book. He just really went around with him and hung out with him for a year and told all the great stories. <laughs> and, and I read it and I love it. And I'm always a little bit jealous and think, man, I wish I could have written this book. One, I wish I'd, I'd uh, had these things to say, but two, I wish I'd had these experiences. And that's kind of how you know what a cool book it is. Buck O'Neill was just amazing. We both fell in love with him through the Ken Burns baseball right. documentary. And then his he, he's not in the Hall of Fame. No. But his statue in Cooperstown was the first thing that I saw when we went into the Hall of Fame. And it, it's still my favorite thing that's there. It's just, it's wonderful. And they need to put him in. He and they'll needs do it to be someday. in. He's, he's dead now. Uh, so he'll never know it. But uh, but it needs to happen. And, and I encourage you, even if you're not a baseball fan, even if none of this interests you, just, just go to YouTube and look up Buck O'Neill and listen <laughs> to him talk for five minutes and your day will be better. And, yeah. and if it resonates with you, check out Joe Poznanski's book. Buck O'Neill was the kind of guy for whom baseball was his platform, but mm-hmm. love was his life. There you go. There you go. Okay, my second book was called Adorning the Dark by Andrew Peterson. It may have had a subtitle, too, but I didn't write it down. (laughs) Um, Andrew Peterson is a musician, so if you know him, you probably know him for that. He also has a really popular young adult fantasy series called The Wingfeather Saga. Um, But this is the only thing of his that I have ever read. And honestly, okay, I didn't include any books on this list that were rereads from previous years. Everything I'm going to talk about is something that I read for the first time this year. But I loved Adorning the Dark so much. I think I've read it three times this year already. Wow. It is a book about art and faith and how to think about yourself as an artist when you're also a Christian and then just how to make good art, period. This year I got to go online to Hutchmoot, which is the conference that mm-hmm. he's founded about art and faith. And that was just brilliant, too. So, y'all, if... If this kind of thing interests you, art and faith, this book is probably for you. And then you also um, ought to put Hutchmoot on your radar because it was pretty amazing, too. It's in October every year. And I'll just go ahead and throw this out there. We talked about Buck O'Neill. Andrew Peterson is very much alive and, and actually lives somewhat close to us. And we enjoy him a lot. And we just need to be friends. We all know this. <laughs> so so just reach out and make that happen. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm kidding. I, think. I have been thinking about Andrew Peterson again over the last few days, not least because I am currently rereading Adorning the Dark again, but also because I'm rereading um, some of the Lord of the Rings, of which he's, yeah, he he's loves a that. huge yeah. fan of that. So Okay. Well, I'm going to take this next one in a different area. Um, One of my favorite books I read this year, The Office, The Untold Story of the Greatest Sitcom of the 2000s and Oral History by Andy Green. Yes, this was on my list, too. And was this not just the quintessential oral history? I mean, they talked to everybody. They got great stories from everybody. You know, you read it. You relived the things you did remember. You learned things you didn't know. Um, the Office is one of our all-time favorite shows anyway. One of those that we just watch and watch again at night after the kids go to bed. <laughs> and this book, I feel like we got this book right at the start of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to say everything was already shut down and then this book came in the mail and it was just like the clouds parted above us. <laughs> because 
I, I thought it would be fun. I did not expect it to be this good. If you are a fan of The Office, you you need to get it. Or if you're not a big, you need to listen to it. You've got to, you need to know these stories. Well, and I love oral history and, and I read a lot of oral history. I'm working on an oral history right now, but man, if I do one tenth of the job that these guys did on The Office, um, I should be on my own podcast. But anyway. <laughs> you are on your own podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute. All right, so my next one um, is called Tell Me a Story by Cassandra King Conroy. We Have we ever talked about Pat Conroy on this podcast? I don't think so. Well, he is one of our all-time favorite writers. Also, again, tragically gone. Cassandra King Conroy was his wife, and after he passed away, she wrote a book basically about their love story, how they fell in love, about their life together, and about the great man that he was. And... Um, you got me this one. You got me this for Christmas last year, too, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was just kudos to you because it was an amazing book. Um, I probably would not have read it if I was not already a fan of Pat Conroy, but I love everything that he's ever done. I have all of his books. There's only one that I have, I've never read, The Boo. I've had it for years, and I've never read it. It's on so, the shelf in there. Yeah, I need, gotta... I need to get back to that one. But many of the others I've read multiple times. And so getting to have a peek into what his life was like with this woman um, whom he loved so very much. It was just a special treat. Well, and it has to be interesting because, Pat, if you've read any of his work, it's a very badly kept secret that Pat is a brilliant, empathetic, beautiful person who was also a very deeply troubled soul. Uh, you know, uh, you got the whole package with Pat. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he was capable of, of incredible generosity of spirit. But what was and really, well, I'm sorry. He, he just, he had a lot of demons in his life and, and she had a big part in helping mm-hmm. him deal with that. What you see from this book is really two broken people who kind of fit together to make one whole. And that was really cool to uh, see. That's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. I think Conroy came up in the context of Bill Curry, who was a friend of his and he, he blurbed Bill's book. So two, two guys from the South who, uh, I love both of them. Uh, my next pick along the same lines is Conroy, Richard Russo, who you went to see. Was it pre-pandemic 2020 or was it 2019? It was the fall of 2019. Okay. You, you got to go see him talk about his new novel, which is Chances Are uh, Love Everything in Russo's Catalog. Yes. Uh, in, in a different way, just as as much of a literary giant as Pat Conroy, two guys who who just who, I'm better for reading their books in very different ways. And two guys who wrote about their own homeland there. Uh, that that seems to be it's the setting, but it's also the subject for much of what they write about their fathers, their families. And it comes out in their stories in just completely different ways, but equally beautiful. No, I mean, you write what you know, and that doesn't mean. If you're going to write a novel about a bricklayer, you got to lay bricks. But it means emotionally, spiritually, you got to come from a place where these characters are real. And both of those guys, absolute masters. Chances are, maybe my favorite of his. Although, as I say that, I think about Empire Falls and I think about Straight, Straight Man. Man. And, and so many great, great novels. And, and this is another one. Uh, but but Russo, another guy who, if you don't know him, search him out. You'll be glad you did. All right. My next couple we have already talked about. We share a lot of similarities on our list here. <laughs> um, so the next one for me, I guess, is going to be Well Met by Jen DeLuca. It is... Um, 
I think I, I think maybe I lied with this one because I feel like this was an older book. I think I read this one last time, and this is a reread for me this year. Uh-oh. I uh, messed up my own list. <laughs> anyway, it's a great book. It's a romance, um, and it is a romance that takes place at a small Renaissance fair in Maryland. <laughs> Um, I feel like I've talked about this on the podcast mm-hmm. before. Yeah. yeah. Never been to a Renaissance fair, but um, this book made me feel like I'd like to go to one. Just light, fun, summery, um, but would be good to read even in the winter just because um, it, it gets you ready for next summer's <laughs> Renaissance fairs. Yeah. No, suddenly 2021, if you're like us, you're you're kind of already compiling your list of post-vaccine, post-quarantine things that you want to go and do. And and if some of them didn't cost a ton of money, it probably would be nice. So maybe that one bumps up the list. But I'm going to rearrange my list impromptu just because your tribute to nerddom makes me want to bring up mine, (laughs) which was a book we did talk about, which was Do Not Sell at Any Price by Amanda Petrusich, which is about the crazy people who collect 78s, who are like the crazy people who dress up in medieval costumes and prance about. I I mean, my, my connection here in a year that felt crazy it was cool to read about people's passions and how no matter how weird and misshapen they may seem to the outside world the things that bring you joy uh, and the communities that come up around groups of people who find joy in things are beautiful and the other thing is that if you had told me I would pick an Amanda Petrusich book as one of my favorite 2020 books, I mean, again, we, we kind of hashed this out on the podcast when we talked about this book. My prior impressions of her work, I would say they're not positive, but that's way soft peddling it. I, I really was reluctant to pick this book up because of bad experiences. But you know what? Forget your prejudices as a reader. Be willing to dive back in on something that maybe the first time around didn't connect with you because the second time it just might. Yeah, and maybe we should go back and reread. We might we might be more uh, who knows possibly. <laughs> yeah. Maybe growth as a reader would do something yeah. for us too. Okay, um, the next one that I have on my list is called Nobody Will Tell You This But Me by Bess Kolb. Um, you did not did not read this one. I but I told so. you about it. This is um a story it's it's a different kind of memoir um it's told in the voice of the author's grandmother after the grandmother has passed away and so it's kind of written as a way for the granddaughter to heal um best call writes this from voicemails that her grandmother had left her and um messages that she'd gotten from emails texts um and she imagines what her grandmother would keep saying to her now how her grandmother would help her recover from her own death and um it's just such a beautiful story of a relationship i love my grandparents i've always been close to all of my grandparents and um i love any kind of story where that sort of relationship um is shown in such a precious way yeah yeah and along the same lines more or less not a guy who was our ancestor but but spiritually felt like he was uh, one of my favorites for the year, His Truth is Marching On, John Lewis and the Power of Hope by John Meacham. We talked about that on the pod, the podcast. But again, this notion that the people who have, have come before have this wisdom that we profit from, uh, and whether that's in your own actual linear family or whether it's just the people uh, who brought us to where we are in America moving forward 
from 2020, uh, and John Lewis certainly a big part of that. Loved loved the stories that that John Meacham told, the way that he made the civil rights movement make more sense to me as a cohesive thing, and just the chronicle of of another one of these guys who who was there when it happened and could tell you how it was. It was a good choice. Um, the next one on my list is the same as the next one on your list. I think just mercy. By Brian Stevenson, which is I don't I don't even know how to describe it. You tell what it's about. Well, Brian Stevenson is a lawyer who helps people on death row, uh, and and I think Brian Stevenson very much lays out the ways that he's like John Lewis. Uh, the the marginalized are the people on death row. They're generally African American. They're generally male. They're always poor. Um, and, and the things that Stevenson learned as he delved into these cases, the bare minimum of process that was put in in throwing lives away. Is the systemic shocking. issues within our justice system are what he fights against every day yeah, yeah. and what he revealed through real stories in this book, some of which you just cheer and some of which just break your heart. Um but one of the things that mattered to me about this book was that it was not just a list of here are stories and here's what's wrong and here's the problem. Um, and I'm a lawyer who's fixing things and, you know, then I read it. What am I supposed to do? This book really laid out, not so much because he was giving you a list, but through the stories of the people that he helps and their family, you start to see how you can in your own community in your own way be a voice for justice mm -hmm. and an advocate for mercy. Absolutely. Then um, I went a completely different route yet again. <laughs> I, again, I'm reminded these are these are not the quote unquote best books of the year. They're just the books that resonated with me. And a book I loved was The Wax Pack by Brad Balukjian. Uh, I'm interrupting you all the time. I'm sorry. But I just want to say I loved listening to you talk about this book. Oh, it was such a great idea. And and Brad is a guy I, I faintly knew on Twitter in advance of this book. And when I read that this book was coming out and what it was about, I was like, yes, yes, I love <laughs> this idea. And Brad had so much trouble getting somebody to publish this book because it was kind of outside the mainstream. He opened a pack of baseball cards and he went to try to track down everybody in the pack of cards. The 1986 Tops pack of baseball cards. Uh, and he doesn't even track everybody down, but it's it's very much new journalism. It's a road trip book, but it's a book about baseball and about heroes and about fathers and sons and about the price of, of our dreams. Uh, you know, just, just very, very interesting, well-written fun book that that fortunately came out props to brad for sticking with it and he's getting a lot of deserved plaudits for a superb book that i really enjoyed now i have not read this one yet but i think i read maybe a couple chapters to you while you did the dishes one you night. did you did yeah. i enjoyed that that was a really good one. Oh, it, it moves along i mean it's it's not a long book it's not it's really not a book you've got to be a baseball fan for it, you know, I think there's probably a certain power. You need to be middle-aged probably, as Brad and I are, uh, although not even necessarily that. It, it, it's just fun. My next one is Transcendent Kingdom by Yad Jesse, 
We talked about it at length on this podcast, as Mm -hmm. we did with so many of these others. Um, So I won't go into it too much here. But if you have not heard what it's about, it's about um, a first-generation American citizen refugee from Ghana. Uh, or her her parents were, mm-hmm. um, who's trying to figure out how to be American, and um, her her parents' daughter, her brother's sister, and also herself in this country that feels like home, but also does not feel like home. Um, if you like books about faith and you like books about science and you like to kind of see how those fit together, this is one you should probably check out. It was probably the most beautifully written and moving book that I read all year. Maybe with the exception of Just Mercy, I'd put that one up there along the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. Really, really well written and, and, and interesting. Identity. It's always a human struggle. And, and in 2020, I think more than most years who we are, how we fit into what in the world is going on uh, was a big thing, which is why I picked Station Eleven, because you can't <laughs> avoid, you know, a, a dystopian plague-induced novel in a dystopian plague-induced year. And, <laughs> and yes, I read this while coronavirus was going on. It scared the hell out of me and was a, a really good book. So... Uh, but, but beyond that station 11, really, I'm, I'm reminded of Faulkner's Nobel prize speech where he talks about how man won't just endure, man will triumph, uh, because the spirit of man is sacred, the soul, uh, and its ability to endure whatever gets thrown at it. And boy, have we ever seen that in 2020? I mean, this, this was a book that, Scared me, that made me laugh, that made me cry, sometimes within a couple pages. And 2020 was that way, so why not? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I only have one book left on my list. Is it the same as your last one? Yeah. (laughs) All right. Our last one is Anxious People by Frederick Bachman, which we, again, talked about recently. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty much a, a quintessential Bachman thing, which means... It was uplifting. It was uh, a good, positive way to end the year um, and, and to think about the, the threads, however tenuous and weird they are, that, that unite us all as people. And I think for this year, when community has been um, really different for everybody, if um, it's existing at all in some cases, that this would be a book that would give you hope for what it might be like again. If you haven't read it yet, it would be a great book with which you can end the year. Yeah. Do you want to shout out some of your like near misses? I mean, I know I sat down and made a list and I had 13 books and I'm going to mention the other three just because they were all really good. Uh, and they might be, again, quote unquote, better books. They just didn't quite fit the zeitgeist of what we were looking to talk about. Okay. You go first. Okay. Uh Outside the Jukebox, which was the autobiography of Scott Bradley, of Scott Bradley's postmodern jukebox. Just a really interesting uh, story of how Bradley kind of found his niche. If you don't know about postmodern jukebox, look them up. They do uh, songs in wildly different styles. They'll do like a jazzy 30s take on a current song, and, and that's their thing. And Scott Bradley just kind of stumbled into this, but he's made it his calling And, you know, his story is interesting just as a biography, but it's more interesting in terms of following your passions into what you like to do. 
So chose that. Uh, Boughton, The Life of a Baseball Original by Mitchell Nathanson. Really good biography of Jim Boughton, who sadly passed away. Uh, a very against the grain baseball great who wrote the book Ball Four, which blew the lid off of secrecy in professional sports, told all the good inside stories. Uh, if you care about that, read Ball Four. But after you read Ball Four, read Boughton because it's one of the best biographies, uh, certainly of this year and maybe of any year. And the last of the three alternates I have was The Cost of These Dreams by Wright Thompson, a beautiful collection of sports writing. It, it struck me a touch uneven in spots, but the essays in here that I connected with were as good as anything I read all year. Uh, and, and very much the, the title bears it up, The Cost of These Dreams. Uh, throughout many of these essays, he talks about Michael Jordan. He talks about Tiger Woods. The question is, are the goals you set and strive for and give yourself for really worth it at the end of the day? And... It's a debate that's, you know, unfinishable, and his storytelling really brings out the fact that you could see it as a yes or you could see it as a no, and I don't think either is wrong. It's a good list. You always have a good list. Thank you. Okay, well, then I guess my near misses that I'm going to talk about, I'm going to – there. Um, let's start with The Lazy Genius Way by Kendra Adachi. Mm-hmm. Um, this book is – good for anybody, but especially if you're a worrier um, like I am, or you're somebody who has struggled with some anxiety, little things can get really, really big in my brain, as you know, because (laughs) you deal with the things that get big in my brain. Um, And Kendra wrote a book that um, I think is good for people like this because it helps you break everything down. You got big things coming up. Okay, well, here's the order we need to deal with them. Here's what we can handle today. Here's how we can look at it. Let's start with this. Then let's move on to that. Um, let's ask the important questions. Let's um, do things in the right order. Being able to kind of go through Kendra's book, and, and I went through it, and then I started it again a second time. I haven't finished it the second time. Um, was just a really good way for for some, I'm an Enneagram one, two, I'm a perfectionist with things. And this was a way for me to kind of reorder my mind when it gets clogged, when it gets overwhelmed with things that I have to do, want to do, worry about doing, um, to help me have some peace. And that brings me to the last thing I'll talk about with what I've read this year. I used to think that I had to finish every book that I started. (laughs) It was a badge of honor. Um, and I also used to think that I needed to read whatever were the important books. Um, whatever everybody else was reading, I ought to be reading it too. And more and more now, I'll quit a book if it doesn't um, speak to me. I might try it again later, but I'm not going to keep on with the book that's not working for me. And I really want to read books that are going to bring me comfort and hope. So in that category, I'm going to say that all of my near misses this year were rereads for me. Um, For a long time, I also didn't reread anything. Because I was always trying to find what was going to be the next big thing. But this year, the biggest rereads that I have done would be big chunks of the Harry Potter series with our son. There were rereads for him, too, and he wanted to read them again with me. And that was amazing. Um, my daughter, our daughter, started reading The Lord of the Rings this year, which I have loved. She's gone through The Hobbit and the whole trilogy, so now I'm trying to keep up with her by rereading those also. And... Um, There's something really special about doing a reread of something you loved with somebody else who is also loving it. She and I did that with the Anne of Green Gables series, too, 
when somebody will pop out of bed at night and say, oh, my gosh, mom, did you see when they said this? It was so funny. (laughs) And um, those things have also just brought me a lot of comfort this year and a lot of hope and a lot of joy that there are so many things that were good in the world once that are still good again. Oh, absolutely. And that joy of passing it on, you know, been able to do some of that with the kids, too. We had tree grows in brooklyn and huck finn and and all those boring old books that i like to prod people into that that they you know tolerate but uh speaking of tolerating thanks for spending part of your 2020 with us this will be the last one for this year but uh on to newer and and hopefully better things uh would love to hear what you read this year what we should read next year obviously as you can tell we're not really slavish to having to read the newest coolest thing but uh (laughs) But if you got something great, reach out to us. Thank you for spending part of your time with us that you could have spent reading some books. We really, really appreciate your listening and your feedback that you have been giving us. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and for goodness sake, keep reading. Keep reading.